Hello, welcome to another episode of Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life. You can go, go over to heavenlybodieswellness.com to pick up all the products that you need to live a better quality of life. And so today I have with me Shiraz. He is an award-winning author, international speaker, and reality shifting specialist. Coaches and healers hire him to rewrite their business stories and with them, their reality, because most people are unknowingly addicted to stories of adversity and struggle and left with a lack of success, confidence, and freedom. Shiraz helps you to eliminate, terminate, and annihilate your unconscious addiction to these stories in order to ignite a stream of high paying clients while fueling abundance of free time, money, and energy. Shiraz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Joyce. Great to be here. So what led you on this path? Well, it's it started off with my own journey because mm-hmm. I start started just having that normal life. I was going to go to university, study uh, to be a doctor, and I was in the best shape of my life. I was 22 years old. The world was my oyster, but the world didn't give me pearls. It gave me arthritis. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Arthritis for real? Yeah. And I don't mean like my body was sore arthritis. I mean, every single joint in my body had arthritis. Wow. Yeah. There were nights I would sip my dinner through a straw because my jaw was so swollen and, and, and sore. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Right. And this went on for years. And There'd be times where it would go into remission for a while, but most of the time it was there. I tried medication. I tried supplements, diet, um, other, other like acupuncture, like whatever, whatever I could try, I did. And things sometimes worked for a while, but then the arthritis just came right back and it felt like there was nothing I could do about it. Now I, I learned to cope with it. I built up an incredible pain tolerance. So I was able to go and get a college degree, go out into the workforce, do, do things. And people thought that, you know, I had, I had sort of conquered it, except I was constantly in pain all the time and just not showing it. And that was my life for a while. That's sad. It's, it, I mean, it was, and it wasn't, it just became normal. Right. Yeah, but it's not normal. It's not, but this is, we know for, that's not normal for a lot of people. This is what happens. You get a chronic illness and it just becomes normal. And this is just how you have to live your life. And finally, after about 20 years, I had a conversation with my dad. 20 years? 20 years. 20 years. My body, yeah. And my body was continuing to deform. Um, You know, the joints weren't working as well. My mobility was next to nothing. I I walked like a, uh, like even in my 20s, I was walking like someone in their 60s, just a little hunched over and shuffling along. And so now, (laughs) now I'm in my, I'm, I'm almost 40 and I'm like, what the hell? Right. Right. And, so my, my dad said, look, there's a program in India called Combined Therapy, and they've had success with multiple illnesses. And that caught my attention because I hear about, okay, there's an arthritis place or a cancer place or a diabetes place. And I'm going, I looked at him and said, you mean multiple? They take care of all illnesses? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, why haven't we tried this place? Why am, I, why am I not there? So I got on a plane and went to India. And because it's, it's India, I'm expecting some guy to do some sort of Reiki energy healing, like, okay, here we go, we take care of you. 
And all the guy did was sit down and talk to me for two weeks. And he explored everything about my life, asked me all these questions. And it wasn't like a psychiatrist trying to figure things out. He was just gathering information. And at the end of the two weeks, he says, so here's the problem. You believe you're responsible for everyone in your life. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you do. <laughs> Subconsciously, you do. You do, right? And, and that's it. He's from everything you've told me, you formed a belief starting when you were eight years old that you needed wow. to be responsible for everyone in your life. And I said, okay, I know I'm a responsible guy. I don't think I'm responsible for anyone, for everyone. But what does it even have to do with arthritis? And he said, well, you don't want to be responsible for everyone. And I said, of course. And he said, and if you're lying in bed in pain, you don't have to be responsible for anyone and no one can fault you for it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. It's the solution to a problem you don't even realize you have. Wow. Yeah. And of course, my response was, that's messed up. (laughs) So. Isn't it crazy how the how the body will respond to like past trauma or trauma from our ancestors or some subconscious thoughts that we're thinking and not even aware of? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, because most of most of the stuff that's going on is subconscious. You don't realize that you're running these stories. So I thought about that and I said, well, if that's true, then all I have to do is say I'm not going to be responsible for anyone except for me. And the arthritis should go away. And he said, well, if you mean it deep down, if you truly believe you're not responsible for anyone but you, you don't need the arthritis anymore. So I said, fine, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone but me. And the next morning I woke up, no pain, no inflammation, more mobility, and I could even breathe better. And I'm freaking out. (laughs) I'm just like, "What, what the hell does just happen there? And, you know, and, I, and I'm trying, I'm like moving things and I'm like, what, what is going on? And what was funny is the place I was staying at, they had a track. And while I was there getting worked on, I would go on that track and I'd just be doing my little shuffle around the track every day. And everyone like the joggers would pass me. And sometimes even people that were like in their seventies and eighties were passing me on the track. And I'm like, oh my God, but I'm out on the track that day and I'm passing people. <laughs> like, yeah. And they're looking at me going, what the hell? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? What happened to him? So it was crazy. And, and then I, I started looking into all this. And it's not just about illness. Although many chronic illnesses are exactly that. Solutions for a problem you don't realize you have. You're just not looking at the actual problem. But it's also, why am I not having the relationships I want? Why am I not having the money I want? Why am I not having the success I want in my career? If you're not getting it and it's consistent, you don't want it. The lack of it is a solution for something else. Wow. Yeah. So for for instance, I'll speak, a lot of people come to me for money problems and they're like, I'd like to make a lot more money. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so... <laughs> So I said, okay, let, let me throw something at, at you. What if you were to make an extra $100,000 every year from now on? Would that feel good? Mm-hmm. And the typical response is, yeah. Okay. And of I said, course. Yeah, yeah, of course that feels good. Okay. Now what's going to happen in your life when you make that extra $100,000? Let me ask you this. Will the people you know ask you for money? Will your friends and family 
come up and say, hey, you're making a lot of money. Could I borrow some? Could you invest in my project? You know, you need to help these people. You, you can't just have that money and not be uh, giving to this charitable organization. Well, people come in and tell you what to do with your money or ask you for your money. And if I ask that and you have any kind of an emotional response to that question, then you don't actually want the money because you've chosen to keep the money where it is so you don't have to have those conversations. So you don't have to have those interactions. Mm -hmm. You just don't realize it. Right. So the lack of money is a solution to that. And this is the thing. The things that we're avoiding the most in our lives are the possibility of guilt and shame. Not even that we know it's going to happen. If we think there's a possibility of happening, you will create limitation and restriction in your life. Wow. That's crazy. The only ones who would ask me for money and they don't even like doing it are my grown children. And that's because they are grown and they are on their own. Okay. But they, they've they been going through some hard times. Two, two of them live together. Mm-hmm. So the one's going through a hard time, which is affecting the other one. So yeah. they've asked me for money, but they don't want to. They feel bad about it. But anybody else, I don't see that anybody else would ask me for money. Okay. You know, but that's, that's one of the reasons I've, I've seen things like uh, I had a lot of money before and I lost it and they're carrying the shame of losing that money and they don't want to feel that shame again. And if you don't make that much money, you can't lose that money again. So there's no shame. So you keep your money where it is. Or right. there was a, another common one is, Oh, well, if I have money, then I'm going to change. I look at these rich people with money and I hate those people. And I don't want to become like one of those people. And even though you technically say, I'd like to have more money, the, the need to not be like those people is so powerful that you're only going to make yourself have a certain amount of money and cut yourself off. Well, now that one I never thought about. Yeah. And that's interesting. But I've always said that I will never forget where I've come from, that I will remain humble. So could that be holding me back? It can. Well, that stinks. I know, I know, but, but the thing is, it's, it's the, the energy around it, because if you're like, I have to remain humble, I'm not going to change it, then that's, that is a resistance energy. It's not a, let me go see what's possible energy. And that right. resistance energy locks you in. The other thing I found with, with really compassionate people, healers, especially is the whole notion that it's unfair for some people to have so much while other people are struggling. Now I've heard people say that my philosophy, as far as that goes, is the more money I have, the more one, the more people I can help. Yep. The more I, the more I can do. Yep. You know, if I'm limited with the amount of money I have, then I can only help, help so many people in so many ways. But if I have more people, I can help more people in bigger ways. So I, I don't get that mindset. Okay. I mean, I don't understand it. But people are there because they they see all these people with lots of money, living it up. Meanwhile, other people are struggling. They can't pay their bills. They're going paycheck to paycheck. In the United States, they say if an, for half the people in the US, an unexpected bill of $500 will bankrupt them. That number astounds me, right? Well, that's what happened to my son. We live in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So we experienced Ida. And what had happened was Ida took out a lot of the power lines. Mm-hmm. Well, we have two different electric co- electric companies. Our electric company takes a small fee out every month for something like this when something like this happens. Mm-hmm. Theirs doesn't and came to my son and they, my daughter and they were like, 
we need $500 before we're going to put your electricity electricity back on. And they, they tried to make payment plans and they wouldn't allow them. So that's what happened. My husband, my, my son, it wiped out his savings account. Wow. <laughs> so it's funny that you say 500. Yeah. That's, that's the magic number for a lot of, of U.S. citizens. And it's, it's kind of crazy. But it is. But this is the thing. When you're living in that story, part of you wants to live in that story. You just don't know. And there's all these reasons that, that are there. The, the other big thing is the story of struggle, right? And it's amazing how that works because I had a story of struggle as well. The arthritis was a completely different, that was just responsibility. It had nothing to do with struggle. But on the other side, I had a story of struggle. And for me, that was, I, I am a, I'm a mutt, basically. So I am a mutt. So, they, that, that's, what, that's what I call it. I've heard other people use the term, but some people don't know it. It just means there's so many cultures in me. Um, they the, use that term for, they use that term for dogs. When it comes to people, we're Heinz 57. Okay. So I'm Heinz 57. I, I've just used, I, I don't feel, find it derogatory. It's just, but it's just like, I'm from South Africa. So my mom's uh, originally South, South African sort of Zulu tribe, but because of the, was conquered by the Dutch. There's Dutch blood in there as well. My father is half Indian, half Malaysian. So I present as somewhere between black and Indian to most people, but some people see me as Moroccan or Egyptian or uh, Brazilian. And it's on one hand, it's kind of good because like people see what they want to see. But on the other hand, it's not good because people see what they want to see. So growing up, I got subjected to both black and Indian racial slurs. Right. So, because that's how I present. You know how I see you? I see you as a human being. I see you as a person. That's what I, I see that. before me. I get you that. You know, why, why people need to stick labels on people I don't understand. And kids are so cruel at bullying. But at the same time, I think bullying is a learned behavior. Just mm -hmm. like I think prejudice is a learned behavior. Yes. So they're, they're seeing it somewhere. You know, whether it, it could even be their own home. My daughter being all grown, all grown has been bullied in the workplace no, a number of times. And she's appalled at the fact that these people have kids. She's like, what are kids doing? They're bullying too. <laughs> but right. this, is, this is how uh, people act in this world. This is what they're raised to do. And growing up, that happened to me. Now, it wasn't that prevalent where I was growing up, but it did affect me because it would pop up every now and then. And someone would call me a name or someone would treat me differently or someone would make a remark. And this got worse when my parents moved us to an all white neighborhood. Uh, and we're, we're now attending a school, all white, all the people there. And the people were actually pretty good, but because it's an upscale, all white neighborhood, my brother and I are now subject to, to cops pulling us over for walking while being black in a white neighborhood, right? So you're not allowed to do that. Where was this? This what was, in, it's in, well, in, it's actually in Canada, which was also a, a shocking thing to me. So uh, we were in Mississauga, which is a city just next to Toronto, Ontario. Okay. And so, but it was the Ritz, it's a ritzy white neighborhood. So this is what would happen. And then it sort of took, took another step when, I started to travel. I remember coming back from Brazil with my friends. I was in, in Toronto airport. So I'm like, I'm 
coming back to Canada, which I think was like the, one of the most multicultural countries. And I, this guy says, you need to come over here. And I went, looked to my buddies and I said, hey, we need to come over here. And he's like, no, not them, just you. And so all the friends I traveled with were white because I made all my friends at an all white school. And uh, so then he had to ask me all these extra questions that no one else had to get asked. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's because I'm black, got it. And then when I kept traveling, if I flew, if I drove over the, to the US border, if I, uh, when I was traveling through Europe, if I was tra traveling borders by train, I got stopped over and over and over again. I got my luggage searched. I got asked all these extra questions. Jeez. I got my documents questioned. And one time in Spain, they threw me and another, nine other black guys in jail. What? Yep. And we had to spend the night on a concrete floor in jail. And in the morning, they figured out who was in the country legally and who wasn't because they just wanted to throw us in jail. Right. And we even had to go through the strip search, which ironically was the best part of the whole adventure. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because <laughs> because at, when this was happening, I was in really good shape at the time. The arthritis hadn't hit me at that point. And so the, there was the holding cell for all the prostitutes was in view of where they were making a strip uh, and, and, and search us. And because I was in such good shape, when my clothes came off, the prostitutes were like, Woo, baby, yeah. <laughs> this, and I was like, hey, this is not so bad. This is good. <laughs> None of the other guys got that. It was just me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Well, at least the girls liked you. The girls liked me. So that, that was, like I said, ironically, it wasn't the worst part. So <laughs> that's uh, funny. But this, this, why this did they happen. throw you in jail? Because they said I needed a visa to be in Spain. And Canadians don't need a visa to travel to Spain. But that was their excuse to throw me in jail. And in the morning, they're like, oh, no, you don't need to be in jail. You can leave. That was just the racism there. I actually, what traveling one time, I actually called the guy out because he stopped me. I go, oh, is this the black check? And I just watched him turn red. And he's like, listen, I just need to see your papers. I said, I just, I'm going to show you my papers, but I just want to confirm from you that this is the black check. And he, he nodded because, look, I just got to do my job. Yeah, that's what's happening. I'm like, okay, just because I, I, I needed the confirmation. So I know it's not all in my head. Right. Right. And then eventually I was talking to one of my coaches and he said, Shiraz, are you ready to step out of this story? And I looked at him, I said, what are you talking about? Racism isn't a story. Racism is real. He goes, yeah, racism is real. But your interactions with racism are your story. And I looked at him, I said, what the hell are you talking about? And by the time I was working with this coach, I had learned that things happen. And sometimes they happen because you want them to happen. Just like we're talking about with you're not getting the money because you don't want to feel like you're losing who you are and becoming greedy, or you don't want to have those interactions where people ask you for money. It's like, there's, a, there's an advantage. And I said, there's no advantage to what I'm going through. It's only causing delays. It's causing embarrassment. It's causing all, there's no, there's no positive. And he goes, Shiraz, when you told me the story about what happened to you on your travels, you lit up. You love telling those stories. You love the reaction you get from people when you tell those stories and you have to keep creating more of those stories to keep the cycle going. And I thought about it when, Oh God, <laughs> he's right. He's so right. So was this after the um, arthritis or before? It was after. We, yeah. So okay. at that point I was, I was, I was doing better and I was traveling and, but I mean, even when I was 
had the arthritis. I was still doing the traveling and stuff, I just, but I was, I, that was just adding to everything that was going on. So I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm done with this story, right? I can, I can get good reactions out of people in different ways. It doesn't have to be from me going through this adversity. And after I made that decision, I didn't get stopped anymore. Wow. Right. And, and here's the How other thing. I also found out that there are, there are non-white customs agents. Did you know that? Because. I've never traveled abroad. I've never been out of the United States. Okay. But here's the thing. Custom agents are just like any other, any other job. There's a mixture of who's there, but because I was in my story of always getting checked, I unconsciously always put myself in front of a racist white customs agent, even though there were other people that wouldn't have done that to me because I was in my story. And so now when I'm traveling, I don't get hassled. And I even like start joking and having fun with the, with the guards and stuff because the story is completely gone. Right. I, and that led me to, to look and, and see how many people are doing this. How many people are getting a charge, are thriving off their adversity? because of wow. the reaction they get from other people so that they can go, oh my God, they did that to you because you're black or Chinese or overweight or a woman or too short. Or, and and when, you, when you get off on telling these, uh, these stories and you know you're getting off because you're telling the stories over and over and over again, mm. then you're actually wanting the adversity to hit you so you can keep those stories going. And this is that's something a lot of people don't know is that you're calling in these stories. There's a second reason you can pull in adversity and that is you get pride over conquering the adversity, right? So something that normally you would have been able to do or other, someone else can do it, all these obstacles come up and then the computer broke apart or we, the yeah. train, <laughs> train was, was too late or like all these little adversity things come in that don't, make your journey go any further. It just gets you to where you're supposed to go through a lot more effort than everyone else. But you feel like, look what I had to overcome that no one else had to overcome. And I did it. I feel amazing. So you keep causing these things to show up in your life. I think that's what my daughter's doing to herself. Okay. So, you know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. she, there's people who have offered her free sessions and she has never taken, she's never taken one of them. Yeah. And I told him, I said, she's not going to do it because I know her and I, I live a holistic lifestyle. So when we moved from Tennessee to Louisiana, she stayed behind. Well, four years ago, she moved to Louisiana and I thought, awesome. You know, now when she's dealing with something, I can holistically help her. But will she listen to me? No. The only thing I can get her to take is the kabucha and the elderberry tincture. That's yeah. the only thing that she'll take that I that I give her. Other than that, no. Because if she unconsciously loves her story, she will not take any steps to get out of that story. I wonder what her story is. She's saving her. She's sabotaging herself um, with. I don't know, it just seems like everything, like relationships. Um, it's like she can just, she can never get ahead. And once things start going well for her, something happens to her. It's, it's not. Right now, she's trying to get her CDL. Mm -hmm. she, and she's, she's near me, so she's been here for lunch. And today she was saying 
they were practicing backing and she was having a hard time. And the thing is, is that the group that she's in, she's the only female. The, the, the others, there's four guys that are in, in the truck with her. Her instructor's outside signaling, signaling her what she's supposed to do. Most trucks now are manual, but she's in a, a stick. So she's got these four guys yelling at her what she's supposed to be doing. And they're like, take your foot off the, what do they call it? The, the, yeah, the clutch, thank you. They're like, take your foot off the clutch, you know, get out the clutch. So finally she got ticked off and she took her foot off really fast and they went flying back. But she, she feels too, it's like, the fact that she's a female because she noticed that when the guys when it was a guy's turn they're like yeah yeah you're, you're doing really good and they weren't screaming at they're not all everybody's screaming at like they were her mm-hmm. and she kind of feels it's like because she's a female yeah you know she's just yeah. like there's too much testosterone <laughs> it's like they, they need to calm down but like the you know like that situation and it it just makes i hope she's not going to sabotage herself she passed her CDL to get her permit. But I hope that, you know, she's not gonna sabotage herself so that she can't do what she wants to do. Because that'll really suck. Mm -hmm. She really wants this. And she went the state, she had to jump through hoops for about two, three months just to get get the grant. So, but that that's crazy. You know, how thoughts can sabotage us. And we're totally unaware of it mm-hmm. so the, the thing that you're going through with the racial thing how out, outside of it affecting you you know like when traveling and, and get, getting stopped all the time did it affect any other part of your life yeah yeah and like and like i said now not none of that affects like there's no issues of race that come up in my life at all because i've let go of that story but growing up uh, when i started to apply for jobs my my name is shiraz babu and people would not call me in for job interviews. And then I tested something and I said, you know what, I'm going to just give the same resume into the company with the name Sean Barber at the top of the resume. And I got called in for interviews. <laughs> so. Was, was, so was that, that during the time that you were dealing with this racial issue and didn't realize it? Uh, well, no, I mean, I always knew I had I had to deal with ra- racial issues uh, growing up because, you know, I got called names and, you know, it's very obvious when you're uh, one of three black kids in a, in a white school, <laughs> like it's this, there's, you, you stand out pretty well. Um, but yeah, I'd have people um, drive by and yell racial slurs at me from their cars and stuff. And like I said, it was, it wasn't all the time, but it was enough that I was just like, no, there's, there's something here. Right. And and the people at my school, they were really good. It was the people that were just outside in in generally in the neighborhood, the cops, things like that. It's it's just something I have to deal with. And uh, yeah. And the name doesn't help. Right. And the name especially didn't help after 9-11 because Shiraz Babu was a Muslim name. (laughs) So that just made things so much easier. (laughs) So after you realized that subconsciously you were sabotaging yourself. Mm-hmm. did things when you were looking for a job, did it get easier? Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point I wasn't looking for jobs. I just, I'm doing my own business. Uh, gotcha. But 
it was the the job thing was was only until I was like mid mid to late twenties, and then I was I was established in my career, and I could I could basically write my own ticket wherever I want because I was really good at what I did. Um, so that I got past that, but the, but here's the thing: it still affected travel because my my pattern is I still have to be affected by racism. So if I've conquered it in the job, it's got to show up somewhere else. So let's let's have it show up and travel. Right, because otherwise I lose the story and I can't tell people how bad I have it because I'm black and Indian and have a Muslim name. Like that's, I needed that story to to feed off. Now I don't. Right. Yeah. So you help people uncover their stories. Yes. Yeah. And how long does it usually? How long did it take you to realize? You said you were in India for two, two weeks, weeks yeah. and that was it. Yeah, it was two weeks to find out what the story was, yeah. So with the method that you use, is that about the amount of time that it takes? No. Or does it just vary from person to person? It varies from person to person and how much they're willing to shift, uh, how much they're willing to look at who they really are, and and how much they're willing to have a change in their life. The The record I've had for creating a significant change in someone's life after having a conversation with me is three minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And like, I tell people that and they're just like, Oh, you're full of crap. And I'm like, okay, well let's, let's have a conversation. <laughs> so, but um, because you don't, you don't realize how much this is, this is affecting you, but here's, here's the thing. Sometimes it happens and you lose it. And what often, so because like you'll have a change. Like one of my clients, it was hilarious. His, his thing was something goes wrong every single day, right? No, without fail, something goes wrong. And uh, and I said, that's interesting. That's a really cool story. I haven't heard that before. I've heard things go wrong, you know, in the projects, and I can never get the project because something goes wrong. But every single day, that's crazy. And so we we talked about it. And as it turns out, if something goes wrong every single day he gets to fix something every single day. He was, he was just this big problem solver. He loved to solve problems. So something had to go wrong every day so we could solve the problem. And that's wow. where he gets his value. He gets his high off it. Consciously, he's frustrated, but unconsciously is like, look at me, solved another one, solved another one. Right. So I made him aware of that and things stopped going wrong for him. And my recommendation is you got to work with me for a while, but people have, can have these shifts. Like all of a sudden the next day, nothing went wrong. And he's like, I'm cured. Thank you. And just went on his merry way. And then three weeks later, he calls me. He's like, we need to work again. <laughs> I'm like, I thought nothing was going wrong because I knew what was going to happen. And he, and, but I didn't know exactly how it was going to show up for him. And he said, so here's what happened. The first week, nothing went wrong. And I was just, wow, this is great. Nothing's going wrong. This is what my life's going to be. The second week, I was like, whoa, is something going to go wrong? How long is this going to last? And then the third week, I was actually in anxiety because nothing was going wrong. And when something wow. didn't finally go wrong, I felt good. I was like, yay, I get, something, I get to fix something. <laughs> like that was and so he said that? He said that? Yeah, he was, he was like, and, and it was funny because it basically you're not only in this state to protect yourself, you're addicted to the conditions of your life. And when I cause a reality shift for you, you go into withdrawal. 
And unless you stay in the program and basically go through a rehab program with me, it is very, very likely you're just going to go back to where you go. And people have experienced this. Have you ever gone to a retreat or some big program and you come out of it and you're like, oh my God, everything is different. I feel so wonderful. And then after a few months, you find out, well, nothing actually changed for that long. I'm back where I started, right? Because yeah. you went back, you were addicted. You went back into the addiction, right? Mm. The way I look at it is if you imagine a, a, a Jenga tower, right? When you're at one of those retreats or when I'm working with you, we're pulling Jenga blocks out of the tower. Now, as soon as blocks get pulled out, it's no longer the same tower. It looks different, which means your life right. can look different. But if you don't continue to pull enough blocks out to cause the tower to fall, then what's going to happen is you're just going to start putting blocks back and then the, the tower becomes solid again. So it is a process. Now, every now and then someone has that. We, we work on them. We pull that one Jenga block near the bottom of the tower and it causes the whole thing to fall from one session. That happens with some of my clients. But more often, it's a process. Each session, a couple more blocks, a couple more blocks until finally the tower. And this is with anyone that's working. And this is why you get this um, situation where people have these success stories where I just worked with this person because they had pulled just the right Jenga block. But for most yeah. people, you've got, to, you've got to do the process. And it's, it's interesting because it's a... Um, there's this 90-10 thing I've discovered. So they say 90% of businesses fail, right? 90% uh, of people who win the lottery lose, uh, end up back where they, where they started. Right. And I, and I just saw a stat late, uh, lately that was 92% of people trying to achieve success never achieve it, right? And so you think that, okay, so I've got a 10% chance of doing this. But it's, that's not even true either, because of the 90-10, a big chunk of those 10 are already programmed for success. So they just succeed. They've already been creating success. So if they won the lottery, they were already good with money. So they just kept going. Right. So, you're, so chances are, if you're not in a success place already, whether it's money, relationships, whatever, you're either the 90% that's not going to get there, or you're in this really tiny 1%, less than 1%, who's at that pivotal place where you switch over. So those are the ones that you hear the success story. It happened overnight, happened in a couple of minutes. Like that, it's that little bit. Most people are over at that 90%. And for those 90%, that's where they need to get out of the addiction. So it's, it's interesting that you're calling it an addiction. Mm -hmm. this, this mindset and these stories that we create for ourselves. Is an addiction. And it's crazy that the, the guy like came to you for help because he didn't want these problems. And then all of a sudden his head is going, wait a minute, I, I need something to fix. Yeah. So was he ever able to resolve that yeah, issue after, and be happy that everything was working. Yeah. After we started working on a regular basis, he got and now, you know, it's not that nothing ever goes wrong anymore. Things go wrong, but now it's just less yeah. wrong, I'll, I'll handle it. But it is an addiction. It's a physical addiction because every time your story plays out, you get a hit of dopamine. Your brain hits you with dopamine. Mm -hmm. now, uh, first and foremost, because now you get to be right. Oh, it happened again. Oh, every time I do this story of my life, you'll use these expressions. And every time you're in that space, you're getting hit by dopamine and you've created addiction. Now you can get a dopamine addiction to good things. And you do have dopamine addiction to good things that are going in your life, but you've also got addiction right. to bad things. And your brain just doesn't want to let go of the addiction. It doesn't think, well, why don't we switch it for something that works better? That, that has to be a conscious decision 
And usually uh, you have to figure out why, what that core belief is that's holding on to the addiction. Let that go first and then switch it over. But most people don't, they, they're not looking at the right problems. They're just like, I don't have enough money. How do I fix the money problems? Like, well, the money's not the problem or the lack of money's not the problem. That's the solution. Why don't you want the money? That's the question you want to ask yourself. Why do I, my partners right. always cheat on me? That's the question you want to ask yourself. Right? So, um, not, sorry, not why do they cheat on me? Why do I want them to cheat on me? That's the question you want to ask yourself. Right? So, uh, so how often do people work with you? Is that at a weekly basis, bi-weekly, monthly? Does it depend on the person? So it's, I have, uh, I have a group program where we work twice a month in a group. And the cool thing about working in a group is that uh, you'll, you'll be in the group and then you'll see like um, Frank will say, oh, I've got this issue. And you're like, oh crap, I have that issue too. <laughs> and so, but if Frank hadn't brought it up, you wouldn't have realized you had it. And when I work on one person, it goes out to everyone in the group. So that's, that's one of my, my main programs. But for people that want, first of all, don't want to be in a group and want that personal transformation, then I, I work on them. We meet every week and we go for six months and we tend to wane off near the end of the six months because I don't want you to be dependent on me to keep changing the things. So we, we, right. we go to like every other week to see if everything holds and then we'll go to like every three weeks and then every four weeks and then, then I let you go. But I found six months is the typical rehab period for a belief structure that we're working on. Some people go longer, some people get out of it sooner, but six months is the average. Well, I know it's been said that like with an exercise routine, it takes like 30 days mm -hmm. before you start to see results. So I, I've heard people say it takes 30 days to establish a new habit. Yes. So, but if you're meeting once a week, it's kind of like the same thing. So, you know. And well, the other thing is in my, in my program, I have an app that I give to all, all the clients and it gives you daily exercises that are just a couple minutes long to keep you in that space. So you're getting worked on every single day and you're, and the app shows you how well you're progressing because uh, you're actually building mental muscle mass. So it's like going to the gym for your mind every day and you see how, how your muscles are progressing. And if you don't use the app, you'll see it start to go back down, just like your muscles st start to atrophy if you don't go to the gym on a regular basis. So you've got that daily accountability and progress between the sessions. So it's like, if you're looking at, there's this obstacle, you've got to break through that success barrier for whatever it is. The app causes you to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's easier to push through the barrier, but I cause you to make the barrier smaller and smaller and smaller. So when you have the combination, you just smash through everything. So give me an example of what it would look like working with this app. So the app uh, will give you a, uh, a basic lesson for the day. Today, we're going to work on empathy. Today, we're going to work on reframing uh, stuff that happened to you in the past. And they'll, they'll give you just basic outline of what's going to happen during the day. And then during the day, there'll be four times where it's going to say time to do your, and the time is an exact time. It's like, it gives you a range, do it between like one and three in the afternoon and three and six. And, and then, and, and it gives you a two to three minute lesson, which is like a small meditation picture yourself doing this or focus on this or picture this person that really annoys you and how could you interact with them better? And it'll put you through a little lesson like that. And every one of those lessons trains your brain. So is it the same lessons over and over or are they different each day? 
they're different. They're different every single day. Wow. Now, eventually you start to cycle through them because yeah, you know, like if, if it's like this person really annoys you, chances are there's more than one person that really annoys you. So you want to come back and find another person and do the process with them. So, uh, so there are going to be repeating lessons, but overall it, you're, you're going to feel like it's a different lesson every single day as you go through the program. So like, um, what's the word? I, I'm dictate keeps coming to my head. That's not what I always say. Does the app know that say, I'm having an issue with a problem with a person and that I haven't totally resolved it. So it'll bring it back up again. No, it doesn't know. Cause it doesn't know exactly what's going on with you, but it's, but it does have a general idea of what's going on because one of the things you do before, before you actually start using the app is you take a quiz and in the quiz, it reads your personality and tells you what your biggest saboteur qualities are in your life. So are you a, an overachiever? Are you a perfectionist? Are you um, incredibly judgmental? Are you uh, someone that avoids confrontation, right? There's all these areas. And it finds out which of the two biggest areas with you and the app works on those two biggest areas until um, after you do the test again in, in like six months, it looks at it and says, okay, let's look at the next two biggest areas and then keeps going. Gotcha. Yeah. So you had said when, when you reached out to me that you could give me an example of what you do. Yep. Can, can we do that? Sure, absolutely. Oh, and by the way, I, I don't like confrontation. I avoid it. Okay. it just because it's it's a very negative situation. I would rather bring positive energy into my life than negativity. So if I can avoid confrontations, I do. Okay, but sometimes the the happiness you seek is on the other side of a confrontation. But confrontations are so negative. No, you, your story is confrontations are negative. Ah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because normally when I think of a confrontation, it's even when people use the word confrontation. Yeah. It's always a negative situation. It can be I, a negative situation, but it could be that, you know, uh, you come up with some, some person's been doing something that really annoys you. And you say, listen, I got to tell you that thing you do really annoys me. And they're like, oh shoot, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm sorry, I'll stop. And it's over. Right. But because you've built it up like, oh, it's going to be this big confrontation. <laughs> then you don't go through. And, and this is what stops a lot of people. This is, this is a big deal and most people don't get it. Is that you're, um, if you look at the stress level, right? You're thinking about having a confrontation. You think I'm going to go through this big stress level of confrontation and I don't want to do that. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going to cause this tiny little bit of stress because I haven't actually dealt with it. I'm avoiding it. So you've got this tiny little bit of stress instead of the big one. And it feels better, except if you look at it for amount versus time, this confrontation's over and then it's done. This little bit of stress keeps going and going and going. And after a certain mm -hmm. point, it actually equals more than that confrontation. So, and this is what happens when you're in an avoider mentality is I don't want to do this with this person. So I'm just going to do this. And I don't want to do this with this other person. So I'm just going to do this. And I don't want to do it with this person. So I'm just going to do this. All these add up and up and up until you're actually experiencing more strange cumulatively than you would have even for an individual one which causes you to be more irritable. It could cause you to be sick. It, uh, it causes you to think uh, slower because your brain's processing all these things that you're avoiding. 
rather than just go through the confrontation and get it over with. Right. That makes sense. And, you know, you mentioned about getting sick and that's the thing is when you're in a constant fight or flight mode, your immune system shuts down. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it makes sense that you're being more susceptible to getting sick yeah. than if you just, and it's, when I talk about, it's like, I can have confrontations. I've learned how to talk to people you know, and not like when you were saying, when you have an issue with them, I've learned, but I've also learned that there's some people that just react irrational, no matter how kind you be in. Mm-hmm. It's like with my daughter, with the, the with the guys with the truck, <clears throat> she, she realizes that they're trying to help her. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, if they do this again, I'm just going to say, look, this is very overwhelming for me to have four people yelling at me four different things. Mm-hmm. and she's great with analogies and she's like it's like you're making a cake and they're going milk 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 and they go why did you pour so much milk in it's because you kept saying milk 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 you know? yeah. yeah you didn't say just a cup you just kept saying milk 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 but um where was i going with this oh uh, she said she said that because with her she'll let things bottle up inside to where she just explodes at people mm-hmm. so she doesn't want to do that. So she was saying that she was just going to tell them that, look, this is very overwhelming. He, having you scream all this at me. And I was asking her why these other people were in the truck with her when she was doing this. And they do it because it, it they're a team. So she gets team support. That's not team support. So she said, I'm just going to tell them there's one, one guy that, that she relates to really well. And she was just going to say, look, I can relate to you. I understand what you're saying the way, you know, because I was talking to somebody else earlier. We we were talking about conversing and my husband and I have two different types of communication style. Hmm. So even though I understand all the words he's saying, the, the way he's formatting the words, I'm going, what are you talking about? What What are you trying to say? You know? So we've learned sometimes to get our, thoughts across clearly so that we can understand each other we have to reformat the words mm-hmm. so but with her she understands this guy okay. so but you know yeah it's but you just never know sometimes how people are going to react to what you're going to say and it's like no matter how nice you are about it they can be irrational okay. and get very defensive and it's just like, whoa, you know, I, I wasn't meaning anything by it. I just thought I'd bring this to your attention and let you know that, you know, you doing this all the time like this is, is just bothering me. And if you could just please stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the thing about it is remember that everything that's showing up in your life is based on your stories. So if you keep encountering irrational people when you're trying to be heard, there's a story behind that. Okay, that's not happening. Okay. My, my thing right now is I'm trying to figure out why my business isn't growing. Okay. That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Okay. I've, I've dealt with a lot of things from my past and making peace with them, thinking it had something to do with there, but there's there's a block somewhere and I can't figure out where it is or what it is. And mm-hmm. even talking with you and listening to you speak, it's like, I have no clue. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I have no no clue. Okay, so we'll we'll do a little little mini session here. Now, how it works is I'm gonna have a conversation with you about making more money in your business. And when I talk to you, I can tell when your conscious beliefs match your unconscious beliefs. Right. So whenever they don't, I'm going to tell you that's not coming up as true because you're up, your subconscious is having a completely different story than what you think. So once we know that there's a lie in there, that there's a story that contradicts what you think, we're going to dig down and find out what that story is. Okay. So when we get to the story, I'm going to ask, are you willing to step out of that story? If you say yes, and you mean it, you have to mean it. And just because, and just like I can tell when the conscious and subconscious ma uh, match, I'll know whether you mean it. Okay. okay. If you mean it, it will shift in that moment. What we're actually doing is rewiring your neural pathways. We're physically destroying neurons for the old pathways so that the new ones can grow for the new pathways. So when that happens, there's a shift in energy because it takes energy to do that. Everything is energy. We're like, we're all right. energy. My body reacts to energy shifts. So I tend to yawn and cough when people shift energy around, even through Zoom. Okay. Huh. So that's going to happen in a little while if you decide to shift. For are you, you an empath or are you just sensitive to energy? I'm just, so I guess I would say sensitive, but I'm not really sensitive. It doesn't hurt or it doesn't overwhelm me anything. It's just that that's how my body reacts when stuff shifts around me. Sometimes I yawn, sometimes I cough, sometimes it's a combination of both. You, I'm assuming, know how your body reacts to energetic shifts, so you know what to expect. Right. Now, the cool thing is, for anyone watching the podcast, if you've got the same issue, then when I ask Joyce, are you willing to step out of the story, you can say yes, and it's going to shift for you too, because I'm not doing it. I'm asking, are you willing to step out of the story? I'm just guiding you to the story. So everyone listening can get benefit out of this as well. Yay. <laughs> okay. Now, the last thing is if you hear me say, ow, it's because you're going into resistance. It's because we've touched on a belief that's precious to you, that you're like, stay the hell away from that Shiraz. Don't touch that belief. I need that to be who I am. And it's almost like you're throwing energetic daggers at me, but it doesn't really hurt. It just gives me awareness of the intensity with which you're like, no, leave that alone. And so just notice when I say out, because that's where you're in, in resistance. Okay. Okay. That's it. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So do you want to make more money in your business? Yes. See, that's not coming up true. So that's where we start. Okay. <laughs> yes, I want to make more money in my business. If you truly wanted to make more money in your business, you'd be making more money in your business. That's simple. You would, well, you would alter the reality I can't around. Figure out, can't figure out why I'm not. Okay. How would you be making more money? Like what would happen for you to make more money? Well, right now, the business that I have, I was hoping to grow it mm -hmm. into what I actually want, which is a health and wellness spa. And I thought that by like doing events and doing markets, I formulate organic skincare products. Um, I sell crystals in Shanghai. I make crystal jewelry. So I was thinking, well, um, I broke and make kombucha and sell that. So I thought that the market and events could be a stepping stone for okay. me to have this spa. And then even with my online website. Now, there was a point where I was meditating on a regular basis, 
and listening to like Bob Proctor and, you know, all those other people and things were actually going really well at that point. And then my daughter and her friend moved into the house and that's when everything, that's when everything fell apart. Okay. And I think it was that girl's energy. Okay. So are you letting her energy affect your success? I'm trying not to. I'm trying real hard. I mean, we we smudged the house after she left. And then she hasn't, that was like, what, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. So so when I, when I asked, are you letting her energy affect your success? You didn't actually say no. So that was a yes. <laughs> okay. What I said, I didn't think so. Yeah. So there was another no. There was no like, no, it was... And it, no, it wasn't, it wasn't I even, know, I don't I think don't, so. You just said, I, don't know. Try, I tried not to. Yeah, I tried not to. Yeah. I don't know if subconsciously, yeah. you know, that I am still letting her hinder me, which would really suck. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but here's the thing. If part of you doesn't want to get through this, some shifting going on already. <laughs> if part of you doesn't want to get to that next level, you will find ways, people, opportunities to cause yourself not to move forward. So you will attract someone with negative energy into your home. So now you have an excuse. It was her energy. So I couldn't move forward. No, no. Okay. Why why would I do that to myself? Because the original question was, do you actually want to, uh, to make more money in your business? And that wasn't coming up true. So, and this is why I'm asking, how do you make more money in your business? Now you, you started talking about webinars, but in general, if you, for you to start just making more money in your business, what would you have to do? No, I don't know. Would, would it be at, having... at, this, at this point? I just don't know. Now I'm looking at shifting and going more to, to services. Cause I think with services, I could make more money. Okay. So it was a product-based business. Yeah. Okay. So you said you w- were going to, uh, to create those products. I didn't think you were already doing them. I thought that was part of the next thing after doing the marketing. Oh, no, I've already created them. Okay. Does everyone have to love your products? No. See, that's I, not- I, 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 would, I would love it if they did, yes, but I know they're not all. going to because okay. my, my organics are plant-based and, and they're organic and they have a very earthy smell to it. As a matter of fact, my two the two scrubs that I formulated, I didn't want to put out there because we're all about the senses, yeah. right? And to look at it, to smell it, to feel it, it's it's not pleasant, but they work. What what I'd love for everybody to love my product, sure it would. Are they going to? No, I know they're not. Okay. How do you feel when someone doesn't have a good reaction to your product? It's kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> What's your problem? Okay. So there, that's part of what's going on right now. Because if you're having that emotional reaction to like, what the heck? What's your problem? If you start selling 100 times more, that's 100 times more that reaction. Mm. Okay. Even if, if even, if there's, even if there's 10,000 people saying we love it, it's still a hundred times more reaction to the people that are like, oh, no. And that's what you're avoiding, right? And this is what a lot of people do is that, that negative judgment, people do it by number instead of percentage, right? 
So if 1% of the people hate your product, but everyone else likes it or, or you get a top 10 to absolutely love it, then you're doing well. But that means if you're selling a million products, then 10,000 people hate it, right? And people go by the number. I don't want 10,000 people hating my product. I, don't, I can deal with one or two, but not 10,000. But if you can only deal with one or two, then your product can only sell to like 100 people. If I've got a million people buying my products on a regular basis yep. and I have 10,000 who don't like them, I'm good to go. See, I know you think that and that makes sense logically, but that's not where your energy is and that's not where your emotions are. Oh, okay. okay. So are you willing to step out of the story that you have to make sure as few people as possible hate your product? Yes. <laughs> okay. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing. That thing's, oh, okay. things are shifting. Now, the other thing is you're making all this yourself. Am I correct? Yes. If there is a big demand, would you be able to handle it? You know, see, that's the thing. And it's probably one thing that's holding me back too. Yeah. Is because then that means that I have to let somebody else have my formulas. Uh-huh. So. Oh, look, your energy right now. Oh, hell no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> your business cannot thrive if you're in that energy. Right now. See, but I've thought about different things that I could do so that they yeah. don't have the correct formulation like having some products blended together or just having one person work on one part of it. Yeah. yeah. See, okay. But if, if you're worried about your secret getting out, you're not going to create a big business. You can still take, I can see that. That, you can still take legal steps, right. Uh, for a propriety formula. Like, you know, you've got KFC, seven herbs and spices. We don't know what they are, but like, they're, they're, they're in there but they, they're still doing business. They're still putting their chicken out there and people could start going through the chicken and find it, figure out what they're, they don't care. They're making millions. If someone copies, it, it's still not going to be KFC, right? And this is, this is the thing. The other thing about your business is it's uniquely you. It's your energy signature. People are going to come to it for you. This is there true. A lot of products out there that are similar, but people just gravitate to the one that resonates with them. And when you realize that the right people are going to resonate with you and buy your product, even if someone tries to steal the formula, then you're not going to care. You're just going to let your business grow. Right. But the more you're worried about someone stealing your formula and stealing your business and stealing your mm -hmm. ideas, the more you're going to contract yourself into this space where your business cannot grow. Well, you know, when I kind of realized that, and at one point I was manifesting, you know, employees who were, were trustworthy and, you know, just mm -hmm. good, good people. I had this yeah. whole list, you know, of the, kind of people that I want to attract as far as employees go. Yeah. But you have to watch the energy around that list. Is the energy the energy around that list was this is the kind of people I have because it's going to be fun and it's going to be great and I'm looking forward to it. Or is this the kind of people I want so that I don't get people stealing my formula? Yes. <laughs> so if it's the latter, then that's not the energy you want to put into that list. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are you willing to step out of the story that you have to do whatever it takes to make sure no one ever steals your formula? Yes.
Are you willing to step out of the story that it's better for your business not to grow than for it to grow and have people steal your formula? I don't, I don't understand the question. Are you willing to step out of the story that it's better for your business just to not grow than for it to grow, but have people steal your formula? Yes. <laughs> okay, and there's one other thing that's coming up. Do you have to have total control about what happens in your business? I'm trying to let that go. Okay, so that's a yes. Yes, I do have to. Yes, yes, but I've been I've been working on letting it go because my daughter and my husband will give me advice as far as you know you should do this, you should do that. The one big thing that I'm bucking, been bucking with them, is because I do formulate skincare products. They keep telling me to raise my prices. Mm -hmm. I should raise my prices. And my part of my branding is that I feel people should have access to good quality prices, to good quality products at reasonable prices. But at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like for me, when I see products, I, I won't choose the high priced one, but I won't choose the low priced one. I won't likely choose the one that's right in the middle. So I don't wonder if there's other people that kind of feel the same way that I do. Well, there's people that feel the same way you do. And then there's people that is like, oh, this is uh, a custom made thing that's got all this, this great qualities. I'm willing to pay a premium for it. What you're doing is you're taking your beliefs and thinking everyone else in the world is going to buy based on your beliefs. They're not. Mm. That makes sense. Okay. But I've also had people who come up to me and they thank me for my price point and yep. for the quality of my products. Yep. And they but have to because a, your story. Yeah, but your story is I've got to keep it at this price point because that's the, the most fair price point there is. So you have to have people show up in your life to validate your story. So you get your dopamine hit, stay in your addiction and keep your prices exactly the way they are. Gotcha. I can see that. Okay. That's definitely true. Yep. So are you willing to step out of the story that people will, ooh, everyone has your story about how to buy those products? Yes. <coughs> Are you willing to step out of the story that you have to be in total control of your business at all times? Yes. Oh, okay, you pulled back on that one. I thought you were gonna shift. Here's the thing that especially new business owners and, and, and solopreneurs don't get. The objective of running a business is to become replaceable. I don't understand. If you're not replaceable in your business, then okay. you can't vacation. You can't get sick. You can't walk away from the business and sell it. Gotcha. You're always there. And most people think I've got to be irreplaceable in my business. Everyone's got to see how valuable I am. I've got to be in control. I can't let the control slip. But when you create a business where it can run and you can go away for a few weeks, that's the perfect business. Gotcha. Okay. So are you willing to step out of the story that you have to make sure you're irreplaceable in your business? Oof. I can feel the resistance on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to work on that. Okay. 
but it's good to know. So yeah. now I can be aware of what my subconscious is doing and how I'm being sabotaged yeah. and get to that point to where I can focus on that and be like, okay, I have to work on this. I have to say, I don't want the story because yeah. if I hold on to the story, I'm not going to grow the way I want to grow. Exactly. I would have loved to say, I would have loved to say yes, but I'm an honest person and you would have known if I was lying anyway. So it doesn't matter. You you could take baby steps and start to delegate things. Every time I delegate more of my business, I make more money and I get more free time. And people have this. this, That's even hard for me to do, like in the house. My husband's always telling me I had to delegate to my kids to have them do doing this and doing that. Why are you doing everything? Yeah, but that's because you want to be in control. And if you delegate, you feel like you're losing control, but you want to lose control. The opposite of control is not like chaos and, and, and um, oh, what's the word? Um, just basically like this feeling of loss that you just lost, lost everything there. If you get out of control, you can get into harmony. And in harmony, everything is just flowing. People are doing what they're supposed to be doing. The product's coming out right. You can walk away and everything's staying in harmony. But you have this false belief, and a lot of people have it, that once you, if you're not in control, it's just not going to happen, right? And, and then they compound that by saying, well, if I start delegating, I'm going to have to pay people. It's going to cost me more. No, because now you're paying people to do the menial tasks that you don't want to do or, or just the tasks that you're not good at, like marketing and stuff. So you can focus on what you really want, which is, the part that makes the most money in your business. So you're paying them to do the parts that don't make the most money and you make you do the parts that make the most money and your business grows and grows and grows and you do less work. That's the crazy part. <laughs> you keep doing less and less work instead of more and more. Yes. And that's the thing right now is I feel like that I'm working, working and working and I'm not, I'm just like running on the hamster wheel. I'm, I'm spinning wheels and it's like anything that I'm doing isn't happening. So well, let's add some more products. If we add more products, we'll attract more people. Okay. Well, no, that's not working. So let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. So the thing is, it's not a business solution you're looking for. It's a mindset solution because you have to let go of gotcha. control. You've got to allow the fact that someone may steal your formula. You, you've got to, you've got to be able to delegate to other people. Right. And when you let go of all of that, then the business will just grow. More people will show up to buy. The right people will come come in to take over and everything is just going to flow. But you're holding on too tight. Gotcha. Well, thank you. At least I know what to work on now. Okay, welcome. How are you feeling, by the way? I'm feeling kind of a sense of relief. It's kind of like a weight's been taken off my shoulder, you know, and then, you know, knowing what I have to work on, what I have to be aware of, you know, and actually the letting go is something that I have been working on, you know, talking with you, you know, when you saying that not everybody has the same mindset as far as pricing for products goes, you know, and I, I do know that. I know that some people it's like, well, if it's that low price, it can't be any good. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so. Yeah. I, I actually, one of my, my, one of my friends, he, he got his hands on these walking uh, canes and they were like carved. They look beautiful. And he got them all for 10 bucks. 
So he he's in a lodge. He took him to the lodge and he was trying to sell them for $15. No one bought any of them. And he's like, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're only 15 bucks. Why isn't anyone buying? So six months later, he took him to a different meeting and he charged $65 and he sold out. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, I had a friend of mine that started selling on Amazon and she so was selling jewelry and she had it priced at like 15 mm-hmm. and nobody was buying. So she raised the price and people started buying. Okay. So think about that. Yeah. I will. Shiraz, it has been wonderful. It's such a pleasure to have you on, on the podcast today. Is there anything you want to leave with our listening audience with? What we talked about, please take that to heart. But the big thing I, I encourage everyone is, is have more fun. Uh, people don't realize the energy of happiness and joy attracts money and makes you healthier. Right. So I strive to have a big belly laugh every day at something. And I, and I accomplish that. I would love you guys to do that as well. That's awesome advice. I love it. And if people want to get in touch with you, where can they go? They can go to Energetic Magic, which is my uh, main website, or, or Shiraz Shifts, as in Shiraz Shifts Your Reality. Um, energeticmagic.com, shirazshifts.com. And you can get in touch with me or come to one of my events. Great. Well, thank you again for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. It's been fun. All right. And for our listening audience, no matter where in the world you are, enjoy the rest of your time for this day, night, or morning. And remember, keep on shining your light.